Revenge, Season 1, Episode 3, Betrayal. talking about episode three in the first season of Revenge. How are you this morning, Laura? Doing pretty well. Glad to be with you so we could watch the episode together. It's more fun that way. Yeah, I think this is the first one that we, well, we watched the first episode together and then we watched the second episode apart, so it's nice getting to do it together since we live in different places. Yeah, nice to visit you and yeah. Knock one of these out. (laughs) Knock one of these out. Um, So let's start by jumping into the sequence at the very beginning of the episode. What did you think of this particular sequence? Because it's something kind of different than we've seen before. Yeah, it really does start off with a bang. So it's, we discover it's actually a dream. Yeah, I think, or a, a nightmare. Or a she nightmare. seemed to have dozed off. and More like a nightmare. Because so I thought it was a flat, almost like a flashback at first, because it was in that same sort of slightly hazy, really loud format that they do the flashbacks in. Exactly. Emily's sitting on her couch in her house and she's looking at the the box her dad gave her and then all of a sudden there's lights and there's a, you hear like a, a helicopter coming and uh, all these FBI or whatever like a SWAT, secret, team, SWAT yeah. team comes in to arrest her or whatever. Which is very much like the sequence we've seen where her father gets arrested. Exactly. So it's exactly like that. And But this time Victoria comes to the door and... and uh, She says, Amanda Clark, how, how long did you really think you could fool me? You must be as stupid as your father. Yeah, so at that point... Which I guess shows just what Emily's worst nightmare is, is is having Victoria find out who she is and what she's doing. Yep, exactly. So that, I like that opening. It, it really grabs you. Yeah. And also, side note, meant to mention this last time, but I did look up Madeline Stowe, who's the actress that plays Victoria, and I know the first episode I was saying her hair seemed fake. Still kind of looks unnatural, but it actually is her real hair. Well, she I does think have long, what I noticed hair. throughout this episode was... Her hair actually, it's funny that we're saying it looks fake. It actually looks the most real and most realistic out of anyone else's hair because you get sort of wispiness on the sides of her hair, I guess, that, you know, uh, like flyaway hairs that normal people would have and everyone else just looks so put together and, and stuff. And my guess is that maybe the actress has very curly hair and that she's sort of straightening it and then curling the ends of it. It looks like hair that's almost been straightened and then curled. Because that's yeah, sort of the quality well, of it. I'm curious to know where they actually filmed the show. episodes. Yeah. Could it be near water and so it makes it really humid? Human. And her hair, like mine, oh my gosh, it's really susceptible to the humidity. And mine gets really uh, big and uh, poofy. <laughs> so that could be it too. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure where they filmed this uh Someone in the audience could let us know, or... Probably Canada. (laughs) I don't know. But but I bet that it's probably filmed, my guess would be either in the Hamptons or in potentially California, somewhere around then, that area. Yeah. I think it also has to do with just her shape of her head. (laughs) Well, she has a very long forehead. Yeah, I mean her forehead, that it just looks like 
it could be a wig because she has she has no hair. It's a very uh, distinct line, line. Yeah, hairline, right? Hairline, where I know people have like hair kind of. But you said you looked her up, and that's what she looks like in person yeah. as well. Interesting. So the beginning of this episode really jumps into the plot of Tom Kingsley and this campaign fundraiser party that they're planning at Grayson Manor, which is kind of interesting because it seems like Tom and his wife and his, I don't know, someone someone who works on his campaign with him, I think it was a guy named Steve, that's really all I got about this Could character. Close yeah, something like that. So they're, they're visiting and they're hanging out with Conrad, but it seems like they're sort of, he didn't let Victoria know that they were going to be coming and visiting, and yet she's planning this party for them. So did, were they planning on the having the party and then it was just a surprise that he was staying with her? Or do you think the party came out of the fact that they were staying with them? Yeah. Not sure which one came first. I'd have to believe that, unless Ashley just... <laughs> Organized the whole thing, no. Really quickly. Oh, really quickly, no. Victoria would have known about that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe she's just surprised that he walked in right then. That's possible. Because it seemed like she was Well, they having... were discussing. They were having a little meeting. They were right. They were having a meeting about that, and then maybe, maybe it's just a surprise that they were staying with him. And I'm not really sure why they were staying there. I, I guess Conrad was just being hospitable. And then you would think that Victoria would be also, you know... We see later on in the episode that someone else shows up and Victoria immediately lets them stay, so you would think that she would be more willing to have guests, but I guess she just doesn't like Tom Kingsley. I think that's sort of the the point that we get across here. Oh yeah, and we'll find out more about that later. Also, side note, so I was just Googling where is Revenge filmed, and this, I'd have to look into it more, but it says that the exterior of the Grayson Manor from Revenge is located, it has the exact address, but it's... Oh, oh yeah, I know that. That's a real house. Located in East Hampton, New York. Mm-hmm. But it says, the estate used for the interior filming of the pilot episode can be found in Wilmington, North Carolina. But I don't know if the pilot episode is the same. Same, I know. But that'd be interesting that they used Wilmington, North Carolina. I guess they just found a really big house there that probably had similar, you know, light coming in of, of someone being near the coast. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying that there's definitely humidity in yeah. <laughs> North Carolina and Wilmington, so that could... One thing that's interesting about the location is that us being, you know, East Coast people, I feel like a lot of the shows we watch are, you know, like the OC and stuff like that. It's filmed on the West Coast, and it's kind of nice to have a show that's more in this area. That was one thing I really liked about Gilmore Girls was that it's... We, since we live in Virginia, you know, it's fairly close to Virginia, and they sometimes actually, they mention things about that. Did they film that? Oh, I don't know where they actually filmed Gilmore Girls, but I'm just talking about where the show is set. Set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it sounds like Emily was a senior volunteer on Tom Kingsley's first campaign, and this it must be his second or third campaign or something. Yeah. For a senator. Or he is a senator, and he's looking for re-election. Yes. Looking to be reinstated. That's what re-election means. <laughs> gonna be I was just using the term as a senator. So I like a sentence we have here about Tom Kingsley asking Emily if she's here to help him finish, you know, what he started. And she goes, oh, I'm a big believer in finishing what I start. Just everything has a double meaning with her. Yes. <laughs> oh, and something to mention. So when uh, Kingsley's in the room with Victoria, and then Emily walks in, 
right away, Kingsley and Emily, they're like, oh, hey, hi. And Victoria didn't even know at all that they were, that they knew each other before. It's kind of a surprise. I feel like she needs to stop being so surprised that Emily has connections. Like, this is an independent woman. She lived her life. She made connections. Yeah, she knows Michael Davis. Yeah, she knows Tom Kingsley. Victoria is used to knowing everything. About everyone. And yeah, she's caught off guard by this. (laughs) So Tom Kingsley was also the federal prosecutor that put David Clark away. And he's the first person that we see in in a really quick flashback where they show... Hey, the the court case, we see Tom Kingsley mention American Initiative, which is the first time we hear of the terrorist organization that David slash the Graysons were, you know, supposedly funding money to that was responsible for the crash of the flight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, bef- uh, previously before Kingsley got into politics, he was working as a prosecutor or attorney or that was his main career and then from there he led uh, that led to him being able to go into politics and it's kind of interesting because I feel like I mean I guess politics are like is that a step up on the chain I'm not really sure why you would move from being a successful prosecutor well think about it this way people really liked him because he made this huge uh, not not discovery, but he was the one that said, yes, David Clark is guilty. He did this. He kind of saved the American people by uh, prosecuting David, and then everybody loved him because he did this, and he's like, wow, everybody already likes me. Might as well move into politics where I can kind of run the community that I'm serving. So, I guess that and makes they sense. Even mentioned, they even mentioned this episode that He's the kind of guy that can become president. You know, he's connected to the Graysons. Everybody likes him. He was um, crucial in this case. In this case. Yeah, that was something actually that we heard from David Clark. It was something that he wrote in one of his journals that Amanda was reading, which said, you know, now that Tom Kingsley made this move, basically, and he's friends with the Graysons, it wouldn't be surprising if he became president. So, I I guess if that's his goal, to become president, he's certainly on that path. I think just have power, be influential, the next step is politics. For him. Right. And so, we get the first seed of intrigue about this, because at the beginning of the episode, you know, we know, we know that Emily knows Tom and that that they have a history and we also know because of the journals that Emily knows what Tom's involvement in the case was so we we know that that he's gonna be the target of this episode right and so we see that Emily notices that he has this tablet that he's holding and he opens it up and it says well so he's at a He's eating some kind of meal Yeah, I think it's dinner. He's Grayson. eating dinner with the Graysons. Kingsley is married. It's his wife. And it's His Conrad. friend, Steve, or whoever this guy is. Oh, yeah. He's like senior, most senior advisor or whatever. And I know Victoria's saying, oh, let's talk about politics. Ha, ha, ha. Like, let's move on. And then right in the middle of that, he gets a message that pops up on his, his tablet. tablet. So says, why is he holding his tablet open at dinner? Like, I mean, no phones at the table. You know, put the tablet aside. Unless it was something that, you know, would have gone off or something. Oh, come on, let's be real. Nowadays, everybody has their smartphone Well, I know, out. but this is 2011. I'd like to think that we were a little classier back then. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Well, 
did he have it or did someone give it to him? I don't, I, it's possible that maybe Steve was holding it, but either way, a notification comes up that says open and private senator. And I, the thing that sketched me out was that he just like jumps up and immediately leaves the table. He doesn't even say anything. He could say like, oh, excuse me, I need to look at this or whatever. Just jumps up and leave. And so there's a video that he's watching, which is himself walking into a building. And that's that what we always see. Yeah, he's, he's at sketch. the gate and then he walks into he a kinda, building. He kind of looks around as to see if anybody's watching him and then kind of goes into a yeah, building. So, so that's what happens there in, in that plot line of the story. And throughout the story, throughout that plot line, we also see he gets a couple other messages on that tablet. One of which is him walking toward a bed with a blonde woman and, you know, dot, dot, dot. I think we can connect the blanks there. Exactly. What's coming on. This isn't his wife. (laughs) Yeah. And we also hear earlier in the episode that Emily calls Nolan and asks if Nolan has a way of hacking a tablet to play a PowerPoint presentation. Which she says a PowerPoint, although it just appears to be videos that are opening. Yeah. Through email. So I'm not quite sure on that. But that's what, what Emily asked Nolan to do. So we get the feeling that Nolan is the one sending these video clips. Yeah, so my question about the the girl that's in the bedroom with him. Did, were you under the impression that this was some secret lover? Or was this just some kind of... I was thinking, oh, is it like he's in some kind of prostitution... Uh, not, biz- not business, but just meeting up with some person just so- solely for physical Right, I-, I actually thought, yeah, I thought at the beginning that it was someone who was a prostitute. That was my impression of it, just because I think that that's sort of a stereotype you think of when you think of really seedy politicians and stuff like that. I'm not sure how true that is, but that's just something that TV shows and movies often put across. I think, though, we don't get any evidence throughout the episode that she is a prostitute. I think she's just a woman that he likes. I, I don't okay. I don't think they said anything about that. We hear Emily and Nolan talking about, oh, how did you get your hands on a sex tape? You know, but that's all we really hear. We don't hear anything about who the woman really is uh, and, and what her background is. So I'm not really sure about that, about that part of it. But we see that Emily's plan here clearly is to... Expose. expose what he's doing because he's a very conservative politician and has a platform of family values and et cetera, et cetera. And so what we hear is that they they had been having an affair and they broke it off and Tom says it was, you know, it was amicable. We don't think that she would be doing this because... So in February, they ended it on good terms. On good terms, right. Now, we're not 100% sure if it actually was on good terms or if he's just telling himself that or what, if he paid her off. We don't know that. But, you know, let's take it at face value, say they ended it on good terms, except he said that right before they had broken it off, she had discovered that she was pregnant and he had given her money to basically, yeah, to not have the baby, which is contradictory toward his platform of being pro-life. So, that's huge. So, right away, they're like, oh, you're done. You're done with the campaign. And Conrad's like, well, we're just going to make sure that doesn't come out. Right. So, so Tom is, at this point, opened up to Conrad because he's still staying in his house. And he's confided in him on what's going on. Also, what is the deal with these people? Emily is just exposing them. She's not creating this whole story that he, you know, is having an affair. 
He's doing that oh, to yeah. himself. Yeah, all of these people, him, Conrad, Lydia, Lydia right, they, they're all doing these things of their own accord. Stupid. Emily's just telling the people who she knows it would upset, you know, and cause problems with. And that is one thing that makes her more of a protagonist in this story as opposed to being someone. She's not fabricating these things, right? Yep. She's just sort of lining things up so that... Them to, so they come to light. Right, exactly. And so we hear at the end of this episode when they go to this campaign fundraiser party and Emily somehow organizes it so that the woman shows up and she's wearing a red dress and she's very clearly pretty pregnant, you know, seven, eight months pregnant. I'm not no, no, sure. no. She's not that pregnant. You think it was less than that? Yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this. <laughs> Unless it's her first pregnancy. Does that make a difference? Yeah. Just what I've seen with friends, co-workers getting pregnant. Second time, you get your body, it's like, oh, I'm pregnant again, and boom, it, it explodes right from the beginning, and you're, really? you look really pregnant the whole time. Whereas the first pregnancy, you can hide it for way longer. It's hard to tell just based she on... She didn't seem that pregnant. Okay, so maybe, well, I don't know what, let's see, if they said in February she was pregnant, and it is now the beginning of the summer, so February, March, April, May... So she's five, yeah. four or five to six that's, months pregnant that's at the max. Let me just say It that. depends how long, but it depends how how early into a pregnancy do you discover you're pregnant. You know, maybe it's one month in before you discover you're pregnant or a couple weeks in. So she's five to six months pregnant maybe. Depends what you use. Those things can tell you you're pregnant before you know you're pregnant. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I will say there is this lady that I know that she's pregnant and she's she looks like she's due any day. She looks like she's about to burst. And I said, oh, how many weeks... Do you have until you're due? She said six weeks. She still has over a month, and she looks very pregnant. It's her second hmm. second. So, yeah, I, I guess that just must be something about the more times you have children. So, we notice the girl in the red dress who's pregnant walks in, and right around that point, Kingsley's up on stage. She's about to talk about how he's going to... Uh, Go for re-election. Re-election, but he, his tablet pops up, you know, all these pop-ups come up saying, you know, this is your new revised speech. And he's kind of pausing. He's kind of stuttering, like, uh, uh, uh. And you can see in the crowd, Conrad's... Everyone's kind of concerned. And Conrad's like, what's, like, what's going, going on? on? Yeah. And then Steve looks around and sees the girl in the red dress walk in. And he quickly, you know, runs over to her and escorts her out. So it seems like no one in the audience really notices the girl in the red dress. No, we see that... Emily is looking very okay. intently at Kingsley, like sort of waiting for what he's going to say, but that's really all we get. Yeah, it's not like the no one else in the audience, even if they saw her, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't connect the dots. Uh, okay. So that, that's good. That's good uh, for Kingsley, at least. And then Kingsley abruptly says, I'm here to announce that I will not be running for re-election. And everyone's kind of gasps. And he says that he's going to... Uh, he can give back the the donor money to to everybody that donated, right? And then he goes into the room with the girl in the red dress, and actually, no, the girl is not there. But Steve... no, I don't think he goes. I don't think we ever see an interaction between the two of them. We That's see true. Steve take the girl away, but but then either Conrad or Steve tells Kingsley, you know, she was she had been receiving texts from you and emails and an invite was given the plane ticket and the dress from you for the past month they month. said that they've she's been getting this correspondence talking about how you're gonna leave your wife and be with her and that and you, kingsley's like what i 
I didn't do this. You know, I, I didn't do this at all. And it sounds like what happened was Frank discovers that the IP address that all these emails came from was in Conrad's office. And Conrad says, it wasn't me. And then he said, well... I don't think it was you either. You know, Frank basically is hinting, we think it might be Victoria, Victoria. someone who actually has motive. Because... Someone that's close to you, someone right. that has and motive. Right, and now we know that it was Emily doing all this, and so I guess Emily set it up this way to not only cover her tracks, but also to possibly blame Victoria, because we think that Emily must know that Victoria, at the time of the trial, cared enough about David that maybe she might be trying to stop what was going on... Something to that effect, because we see there's a diary message that David writes that says, Victoria said she was going to go talk to Tom Kingsley, but clearly whatever she said didn't work. Uh So So we get some hints that Emily thinks that maybe Victoria and Tom are not on the best terms. Definitely not. Well, during it, so right after Kingsley has, you know, um, found David being guilty... Victoria rushes in and says, no, I, I have evidence that will prove that he's innocent. And then Conrad walks in right after that, and this is during the flashback. And he goes, don't believe her, she's in love with him. Exactly. So, Kingsley, from that point, Kingsley might not even believe Victoria. Right. Because... Because, yeah, she's sort of a, a faulty witness at that point. Yeah. And we, we get a lot throughout this episode of the love triangle between Victoria, Conrad, and... David, which we mostly see in the form of Conrad giving Victoria this necklace, and it even has a note on it that says something like, I thought you this would be perfect for you, it's flawless. Flawless, yeah. Like you are, you know. And we see that she just doesn't seem that impressed, whether it be because she's... Well, he, so he he puts it on her, and, you know, they're both, like, staring in this mirror, and he, he's putting the necklace on her, he's behind her, and she's just like, you know, brings up, you slept with my best friend. Right. Well, oh, yeah. she's like smiling. Well, she he's saying Conrad is saying, you know, wouldn't it be great? You know, I want to make this right. Let's go away to Paris for a couple of days, and everything. And she's like, well, you, you know, everything would have been fine if you had never slept with my best friend. So, so I, you can I, see that it's hard because it, it seems like Conrad does still care about her at this point, or is at least trying to make things seem right in appearances. And I get the feeling that you know, sometime in between when Victoria fell in love with David and present day, I get the feeling Victoria had decided, all right, I'm just going to be in love with Conrad. I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to do this. And it's now, for some reason recently, and I'm guessing because Emily's back in the picture and because of the whole thing with Lydia Davis, now is when Victoria has decided, nope, I don't feel attached to Conrad anymore. And we see that in her wearing the earrings. So there's a flashback of she's at the beach house with... David. So final confirmation that the two of them were together. They like they had just had like an intimate moment. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, was Laura, they had an intimate moment together. <laughs> and they were kind of like hugging, hugging, they were or cuddling. cuddling, yeah, cuddling, <laughs> hugging, hugging while laying down is usually called cuddle, cuddling. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not familiar with all those terms. Okay, anyway. anyway, so so they were cuddling and. David says, you know, you're so beautiful, I have something for you, and he reaches behind the bed or whatever and gets um, a little bo- jewelry box, and it's these diamond earrings, and she 
puts them on and not really my style. Yeah, they're I not prefer really. studs. They were sort of like a little tiny hoop with a diamond hanging off the bottom. Mine's a clip on. Yeah, they, they did give it a clip. I don't know what those are what that style is called, but it's not my so, favorite. So and the thing is he puts on one. I don't know if you caught this, but like they put on one. They never put on the other one. The other one. one, the other one, he's just like combs the hair, but behind her ear and says like you're beautiful. He's, I'm she's, like, he well, says something like always think of me when you wear them. Oh yeah, yes. And then they fast they uh, come out of this flashback and it's Emily or sorry Victoria in in real life or real time and you can see that she's wearing the earrings so she's still yeah after not all only these is she years. wearing the earrings and sort of caressing them but she just takes off the necklace and drops it back in her jewelry box is not clearly not as interested in what Conrad gave her. Yeah, she she drops into the box that's just like overflowing with necklaces and jewelry and everything. She's like, eh. and then she still has the earrings on. And that's the thing. I mean, with a woman that has everything that she could ever want, I, it's just interesting that Conrad's trying to bring back the love or convince her that he loves By her. buying something? Buying earrings. Ear, or, sorry, not earrings. A necklace. Just jewelry. I feel like that's just so me- meaningless. Well, I think we see here that the jewelry only has meaning when it has, yeah, sentimental value, and clearly trying to just make up with her is not a sentimental enough, you know, reason. I think, I mean, I don't know at this point what Conrad could do. I think he really needs to get down on his knees and grovel and apologize and say, I had a weak moment, I, I certainly do not love Lydia more than you. It was all just, you know, trying to, whatever, make up for some Spock that's missing in our life or something. Hey, money can't buy me love. That's what she should say. <laughs> yes, except I don't think that she would ever say it in that, <laughs> in that tone. Mm. So we get a lot about Emily and how Emily coordinated all this because she's already ruined Tom Kingsley's career by essentially forcing him to state that he will not be seeking re-election. And he says, well, one good thing that I'm glad they mentioned was that part of the speech, the new speech, said uh, that they will return all of your contributions. Because I was kind of worried about that. You know, all these people are sitting here. They've clearly donated a lot. And so we get that, and we have a conversation between Victoria, not Victoria, Emily and Nolan, where Nolan's basically asking, so how did you get your hands, you know, on this tape and everything? And, and And she says that Emily bought the building that Kingsley's mistress lived in. And that she had done a remodel where she put cameras in. A little sketch, in my opinion. You I feel like that's definitely that. illegal. You it's can't just put cameras in bedrooms. And especially uh, without notifying the tenants. Well, I mean, that's just breaking right. the Right, and it walls. says, so Emily says that she wants to release these videos to the press. And I get that, but... Don't you think at some point it's going to get traced back, unless she's already sold the building or something, I feel like it would get traced back to her at some point if she's the one who bought the building and scheduled the remodel. I feel like that's a little sloppy. Yeah, it's a little much. Nolan kind of points out, you know, that's going to hurt Kingsley's family, kind of embarrass. Right, and Emily says, I want to destroy his life. If If he would have done the right thing, he would have saved my father. He chose not to, so down he goes. And everybody that's attached to him. <laughs> I guess so. Basically. I guess that's part of the part of the scenario. So that was really the main plot line of the episode with the target and Emily taking him down. Everything seems successful. Great. Blood doesn't even really seem to be on her hands because it seems like, to some extent, Conrad and Frank suspect 
Victoria was involved in some of this. Yes, and Nolan gets to help out a little bit too. <laughs> right. So we have a couple other subplots that are going on in this episode. One is this subplot between Emily, Daniel, and his previous girlfriend from, I think, the previous summer? One or two summers ago. It was fairly recently. It's fairly recently. And we had heard in the pilot episode that Daniel... He said he's not drinking anymore, and we saw that he was talking about how he had had a, a DUI where he had wrapped his car around a... U- Although, utility. I'm pretty sure in the first episode they said a tree, but I could be wrong. No, but now good. they said a utility pole. So, uh, Dale comes to pick up Emily. Oh, and at the house, he like walks in, she's like, oh, let me go grab my purse, and there's little... A side table that's kind of a jar, and he looks. Yeah, the in, drawer's open. Drawer's open. He looks in, and there's a gun, and he pulls it out, and, and you know, I think he's just thinking like, "Oh, cool, just got a gun." And yeah, he's no, like, it doesn't come off. The, the part that comes off sketchy is okay. If I had ever seen that someone had a gun laying around, I would not pick it up. I feel like that's weird. Like it's yeah. much like picking up someone's phone, which we talked about last episode, and you know, snooping on it. But so if he he says like, "You're full of surprises. We should go shooting." He's just kind of like, "Oh, cool. A girl knows how to." Yeah, and she's like. Well, oh yeah, I we live, definitely should. I live alone. Yeah, but she's still kind of no. Seems I, I a think there's sketch. yeah, but I I don't think there's anything wrong about her having a gun or anything like that. You know, I think that she has a great alibi for that. The part that I think is weird is just that she had left. It seems sloppy that she had left the the drawer open, and I'm not really sure why that was in there because right, no. it doesn't seem like Daniel even cares. Well, and the reason why the gun was out was because during that nightmare. It was actually triggered by, I think, she could sense that something was, someone was out there, and it turns out it was the dog. Dog keeps running away. Yeah, Sammy, Sammy just keeps, keeps coming home. Back. Yeah, so Which she had And I don't, I don't know how far away Jack lives. Ja- I mean, Jack, I know he's in, he's in a dock in Montauk, and this is in the Hamptons. I don't know how close those two are, but I would guess several miles. Yeah, I wouldn't think it would be that close. But dogs but, running back and forth a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's going to pick up a scent. So anyway, so Daniel picks her up, and... They're going on a date. Yeah, they're going on a date. Not not just to walk down the beach. This time yeah, finally an actual date. And I think they said it was dinner, and that she had planned tonight, but it looks like... It looks like Eight the time. afternoon. Yeah, it looks like very early. Maybe... I mean, it's summer, so maybe it just doesn't get dark. It could be 6 or 7 o'clock, but... They pull up to a restaurant in his convertible, and... Uh, Right away, like, valet's taking their car, and she says, like, he's like, oh, what is this? And she says, it's an Italian steakhouse. Not, not a Outback steakhouse. <laughs> and probably don't have a blooming onion there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my mouth is just watering. We need to go. I know. I have a gift card. <laughs> anyway. And, and so they go into this Italian steakhouse, and they, they pick a table and sit down. And the first thing that I notice is that, so Emily takes her napkin and sort of hides a knife in it, and then says, oh, I need to go, I don't know what she says, I have to go to the bathroom or something. Really quickly, I don't think, I don't even think she sits down. They lead her to the, they lead them both to the table. And she takes the knife. And she quickly takes the knife real quick. And there were a couple things that every time I've watched this episode, I always think that she's, it's like, we think that she's going to do something. She's going to, like, hurt someone with it. Stab somebody right. with it. But instead, she just goes and basically tells this waiter, hey, I don't have a steak knife at my table. Can you bring me another one? And then she sort of ha- waits and hangs back, and he says, oh, okay, sure. So he brings a steak knife over there to where Daniel is, and I wonder if it was part of her plan 
that she was hoping the guy was going to hurt Daniel with the steak knife. I, that was one thing that I was wondering. Uh, well, you can kind of see when he when he sees Daniel. He's gripping the steak he's knife. gripping the steak knife. But, okay, let me rewind. When I go to steak houses, the knives are not just on the table. They bring the steak knife with the steak. Yes, but as we've established, you go to Outback Steakhouse, so it might be a little <laughs> bit different at a slightly classier. She, does she even eat meat? I can see her being a vegetarian. We, well, I don't know if we've seen her eat meat. We haven't really seen her eat anything. I've seen her sip on some wine. That's she about it. Eat. But anyway, yeah, so you think that uh, the waiter, he's kind of gripping the steak knife. He's we see go. that clearly he's got some hidden, you know, history with Yeah, Daniel Daniel. said, oh my gosh, they both are like, oh shoot. He says, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. And then the guy basically says, what are you doing here? And, he, and so we see the guy leave and it, we hear his name's Patrick. And so he leaves, and we see that Emily and Daniel go after him to see him. He is just going at it, taking a golf club and hitting Daniel's car. Now, part of me wonders, where did he get the golf club? Was it in Daniel's car? I don't know. I don't know where okay. the golf club part came Part of me wants to know is, did they get to eat yet? Did the steak come? They're eating the steak, and then? Or is it just right away, Patrick goes out to the car? I want to know if they get to the And he the destroyed that windshield. I honestly wanted to see a picture of the steak. I wanted them to zoom in on that. Okay, yeah, we, we, I think priority here was this very, you know, angry guy going it's out and attacking past his time. I want a steak. But anyway, yeah, so Patrick is just destroying the car and Dale runs out and he's like, whoa, 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 guy, like, you know, cool off, cool off. Uh, and that's pretty much the end of that. Daniel later says, you know, Emily, I'm sorry you had to see that. Right. Yeah, that was. Uh, and he explains she sad. and she explains like, oh, did you know him? <laughs> kind of like, I mean, no, she just acts kind of oblivious like usual. And he says, yeah, I. Uh, it's the brother of the. I girl. used to date his sister, Sarah, uh, last summer, and she was the one in the car. Well, so had his drunk driving. Well. Incident. He says that they were at a party. Victoria found out that he was dating, you know, like a waitress. I guess someone not necessarily, Victoria didn't really approve of her. Because she wasn't in the same. Does Victoria approve of anyone? Yeah. She wasn't in the same, like, socioeconomic status. And in, like, kind of, or sorry, Victoria kind of outs, embarrasses Sarah and Daniel at a very public party that she's hosting. Yeah, it says she made her opinions known to Sarah. Yes. And that. Which is just rude. Oh, yeah. Well, Victoria's evil. But anyway, so they, Daniel, they've been drinking, and Daniel and Sarah run out to the car, and they drive away while he's drunk, and then he wraps the car around the utility And it sounds like he and, broke her spine. Yeah, after the accident. I mean, he didn't. Well, I guess he did if he's, I mean, he's driving. If he's the one driving, he broke her spine. Right. <laughs> Luckily, she wasn't paralyzed, but, but yeah, she's she been in, in physical therapy. Rehab since. Yeah, rehab since then. So... And oh, and so so Emily kind of oh, and it sounds like Victor- the Graysons paid off uh, all the medical bills and kind of wanted to keep everything hush hush. So paid off. So they so I I guess so that uh, Sarah wouldn't bring uh, take take them to court. Take them to court. Or anything. Well, right, and and it's so nothing. It's and, it's all very interesting, and I think the most interesting part of this is that we we see that in return, Daniel was never allowed to see her again. And it shows that Daniel, even when he disagrees with his family, he's going to do, you know, what they say. And, which, I, you know, is probably best for him in terms of this. 
scenario, but... Yeah, I mean, because with a DUI and especially injuring somebody, he could... Oh, yeah. He does gonna... deserve to be in jail, but... Right, he does. Or, you know, at least pay for this in some other way. And and that's what, you know, Emily's talking and, and Daniel says, you know, I'm sorry you had to see that. And she goes, yeah, what was all that about? He tells her about it. And then he says, do you think I'm a bad person? And she says, no, I just think people who make mistakes should own up to them. So we later see that Frank has discovered that Daniel goes to see Sarah at this rehab center and that Emily was the one who drove him, which I think Frank thinks is weird because if Emily's driving him, clearly Emily knows this was his past relationship and maybe he thinks that's kind of weird that she's getting involved in this. Well. And Victoria thinks it's weird. But I think we see that it's more of just Emily... The relationship growing. Right, and I, and I wonder, was this always part of the plan? Because clearly it was part of the plan that Emily wanted... Daniel and this Patrick guy to have a big blow up and that's that's the thing that I'm confused about why did she just want him to pay for something that she she found out you know that he did that was unsavory or did she really hope that the Patrick was gonna hurt him or or something I, I that's the part that I'm not quite clear on because it ends on a sort of up note of her appearing to help both Sarah and Daniel yeah, that's confusing. I can see it being, you know, she wants to take down the Grayson, so she's going to take down every one of them. You know, Daniel, she's getting close to him just to, to break him. But in the end, it kind of sounds like it's like that TV show. Oh, man. <laughs> Forgot what it was. But the guy that uh, needed to go and repay, kind of like apologize to everybody. That oh, my name is Earl? My name is Earl, yes. Oh, my gosh. It kind of reminds me of that. Where... Wow, weird, weird <laughs> reference we made from this revenge podcast. I have not even seen that show in years but no. yeah so I feel like it came out and we were too young for it when it came it's out. inappropriate right oh gosh there's some stuff in there but anyway uh yeah so he she kind of makes him uh just apologize and it all kind of turns out well and I know that uh Daniel kind of mentions to Emily oh yeah I think Victoria's spying on me or has someone following me but I think hey, Victor, I love Emily's response she's like well that's creepy <laughs> yeah but I think really it's like Frank was probably following Emily and through mm-hmm. Emily discovered that Daniel yeah I'm sure that that's what rehab. happened oh and Daniel says yeah it didn't really go too well like when he went to the rehab to talk yeah, to her yeah because his mom confronts him about it and he basically says you know if it makes you feel better it's not like not like we're getting back together and yeah and she's certainly not happy with me Exactly. So that was really that plot line that happened, that that first of the subplots. And then the other big subplot that happens is this Declan, and Jack really doesn't do a whole lot in this, but there is more on the Declan and versus Adam, who's Charlotte's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. Off and on again. Hard to tell. Thing. <laughs> right. So the two of them going at it against each other, because we've got this set up with Nolan coming to the bar. So... Because they're having a wake for... Well they f- yeah, they found for, that. Uh, Mr. Porter, who passed away. So the heart, atta- heart attack, he did pass away, and he was cremated, he has his ashes. Because and- he wanted his ashes to be spread in the water, I think. Yes, yeah, so Jack said, hey, do you want to come with me to pick up the ashes? To Declan, who... <laughs> I've been riding down... Deacon this whole time on my notes. Right, yeah. His name is Declan, not Deacon. I don't know Hopefully why you thought of that. Saying... I think you've been saying Declan. Okay. But anyway, so and, and Declan said the last thing that he heard me say was that I called him a loser. And Jack's like, Oh why well, I, I know Dad he, loved you. You Dad, he knew that you he, loved him and, and he's like, No, I mean I honestly did think he was a loser and 
So I don't want to go and pick up the ashes. I, I don't think, want to help And I think you. that's just Declan. I think Declan, his whole thing right now of trying to get Charlotte, I think that's just trying to distract him from how upset I'm sure he really is about his father. Yeah. And he's, he's young and kind of shows his immaturity. Right. Well, I think, as I said, I think he's supposed to be in high school. I think he's supposed to be a pretty young yeah, guy. Yeah, a lot, a lot to go, go after. And he kind of even says to Jack, like, you're not my father or don't even try to become a father figure to me. Right. Although, I think that... I think this whole time Jack's been a father figure to... Yeah, that's, that's to more of what I would Declan. say. So, so, and Jack, I think, handles it pretty well, just sort of giving Declan his space. Yeah, know? it's like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna go pick up the ashes so and I'll do it. So, Nolan comes to this wake that's happening, because I think Nolan truly cares about Jack and is trying to make the best of this situation and, and really does want to be friends with him. But Nolan, he's... He's trying to order a drink, and he goes, oh, can I have a Malibu Bay Breeze? Which I looked up, because it's Jack implies, yeah, you're, you're going to get beat up if you, if you drink that is, around here. This is a beer and whiskey crowd. Right. And so he just gives him a whiskey. But I looked it up, and a Malibu Bay Breeze sounds pretty good. So it's a couple ounces of Malibu, and then two ounces of cranberry juice, and two ounces of pineapple juice. So, my kind of drink. I feel like that sounds a little better. And uh, I don't blame Nolan for wanting that. Some, but, uh, what is it called? Oh, just, yeah, Malibu rum. Yeah, coconut rum. So, I think that that, that sounds pretty good. But instead, we, we see Nolan getting kind of kind of trashed on, I'm assuming, shots of whiskey or something. And yeah. so, Declan decides to drive Nolan home because Nolan had mentioned, you know, he was talking about who had beat Declan up because Declan sort of has a black eye still. Um, from the previous episode where Adam and his friends had beat him up. And so Declan offers to drive Nolan home. Right, because Nolan has said, oh, there's other ways to get even with people besides just beating them up. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to be as big as them or have as many friends. And, and uh, Declan's not as big as Adam, and Declan doesn't have as many friends. No, I mean, we, so far we have not seen Declan have any friends, but I'm sure he has some. So he drives Nolan home, and I don't know, this is another thing where if I was Nolan, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to let you drive my car. I mean, I don't know. He's like going to throw his bike in the trunk. I don't know what kind of car Nolan has, but I wasn't picturing a car big enough to have, like, a trunk to put a bike in, unless it's one of those bikes that can, like, fold up. But Oh, so so definitely going to ride his bike home? Right, he's going to drive Nolan's car home with Nolan in it and then take his bike out and bike home. I thought it could be like a... A motorcycle, like a bike. No, no, I don't think Declan has a motorcycle. I'm pretty sure he just has a bike. Anyway, so one of the things that I thought was really funny is we see them go into Nolan's house, and Nolan's got a pretty sweet house. It's more of the modern, contemporary, right. lots of glass, concrete sort of windows, and everything's very uh, boxy. Yeah, it's very angular and angular, and it's yeah, very. The outside of the house looks very cube-like, like a big cinder block almost, and then... Whereas, I mean, Emily's house is kind of more homey, just a... T- it just like, looks like a beach house. Like a beach house. With a big uh, wraparound deck and... Farmhouse. Maybe not a farmhouse. It's not a farmhouse. But, uh, and then the Graysons have more of a... It looks like definitely like a New England-style... Villa, right? Big. Big mansion that's more, uh, not modern, but, um... I don't know. More classic I, I don't yeah. know. The I'm not an expert on this. So, I armed pretty much anything. <laughs> I had to look up what a Malibu Bay Breeze was. Anyway, but what cracks me up is you see Nolan walks in, and good for him for drinking some water, but he's got just, like, ten bottles of water just stacked on the edge of his counter. I'm like, 
don't you want them like chilled or put on ice or that bothers me too i'm just i don't know i i have never once been appetized by just a warm bottle of water sitting out on the counter that just and probably, they were, probably notified some it was, butler of it was the in. most have 10 water bottles yeah, i don't know we the don't labels see removed him. I was going to say, it's very obvious there are no labels. Like, we're, we're not giving credit to... We're not picking a side of any water company. It's just water. No. Nope. It's a plastic bottle. And that also is just a pet peeve of mine because just environmentally, just go and use the tap on a refrigerator or a Brita filter and fill up a reusable water bottle. If there's one thing I can say, I hate plastic, plastic water, water bottles. It drives me crazy. I don't like it. Well, you have a bone to pick with Nolan, then. I do. Yeah. So, Nolan, basically, even though he's drunk, he he manages to somehow hack Adam's webcam, which I just find is really creepy. Like, that's literally everyone's biggest fear with their computers. I mean, our mom, you know, puts a piece of blue tape over her her I camera. Know. I mean, I, I bring my computer, my phone everywhere. Right, so and it's just, can... it's just creepy, and yeah. I you would think that if he's hacking a webcam that maybe Adam would be able to notice that that's happening, but anyway. Yeah, so usually just, the green light, at least for my computer, know, green light comes on. So he just gives this computer away to Declan, and my first thought was, oh my gosh, what if there's like something important on the computer? But then I realized, oh, he hasn't really started working with Emily yet, so there's probably nothing classified well, on the computer. But maybe not with Emily, but just his own personal stuff. He's just like, oh yeah, here you go. Yeah, maybe this, maybe this is his gaming computer. Yeah, it's just his... It's just random computer. And and that's a, one thing is, you know, the technology, while it's not, you know, it's no box computer or anything, it's certainly a big, hefty laptop with a big battery sticking out the back, and it's definitely less sleek than computers nowadays. Yeah, a little dated, but... So he just gives this computer to Declan, and Declan ends up watching the webcam later and sees... Well, because, no, because right there, when they're at Nolan's place, Nolan hacks into Adam's computer, which is just conveniently propped up right by his bed, and he sees that Charlotte comes in with Adam. They both walk into the bedroom, and then he's like, oh, look at that. Like, Nolan's like, where we got... We got the jackpot on our first try. On our first try, and then Declan, you know, he's close to respect- Yeah, he's respectful of, of Charlotte's privacy. She's like, oh, I'm closing the computer. Uh, brings it home. But we do see him watching it later, and we notice that. Well, he's not even watching it. It's just like on, and he's doing something else, but he hears like a giggle or something. And he sees that, that uh, Adam is know, making out with some other girl Long who girl. is not. Yeah, who is not Charlotte. And just before that, Charlotte calls him, calls Adam during the senator's campaign party saying, hey, where are you? He said, oh, you know, I'm not coming. Those things are boring or whatever. And she's like, um, are you trying to, like, get back together with me? Like, yeah, this is the kind over. of sacrifices that you're supposed to, yeah, make when you're trying to win someone over. And he's just like, eh, he's call me after. Yeah, he's kind of sweaty. Maybe he's shirtless. Face. Yeah. And he, he's like, oh, call me after. And then he hangs up and then the girl... You know, Which also made me think, like, okay, clearly that girl was close enough by to have heard the conversation that Adam just had. Does she not care? I don't that? think she cares. Okay. Well, She's just like, sketch. yeah. There's so much, so much infidelity happening in these. Yes, exactly. I don't show. like it. But, but it keeps it interesting. Lots okay. of drama. But anyway, so, drama. so Declan looks at the computer at the same time and he sees what we just said, the blonde girl making out with Adam, and he pushes the record button, so... Nolan's kind of showed him that you can record videos. And then it goes back to Charlotte, and she gets 
a message or an email on her computer. And it has a video attached. It says, like, it's from Declan. It says, like, the title says something, like, I think this is something you should see, da 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 and we're all thinking, like, oh, my gosh, it's the video of the of Adam and the girl. And she clicks it open, and then it's Declan. and It's a cute video. He's, like, outside it's by the boat. It's a little cheesy, but it's cute. With the sunset, he said, like, I, I wish you were here to enjoy the sunset with me. Or, you know, something along yeah, the lines. Yeah, like, he's like, oh, beautiful sunset. The only thing missing is you. Give Ugh. me a call sometime. Barf. Which, right, is cheesy, but... Clearly, he, you know, he's showing when you compare him and Adam and how the two of them are interacting, you know, it shows that he's a little more interested in Charlotte. And I, I thought it was nice that he didn't stoop, you know, to that level and that he he decided to go a different way and to not, you know, he could win. He could win, but I think he wants Charlotte to choose him based on him and not choose him based on not liking Adam. Exactly. He kind of took. I don't know if I'd say the high road. He Yeah, I'd say the high road. He but yeah, he's trying to get her to recognize how great of a person he is, how he really likes her, and to win her over that way, not just by using material that will upset her and and then she'd go to him uh as a backup kind right, of Right, as a rebound. But you know what? I, I see this time and time again on these shows, or maybe even in real life, where this could backfire on him because Charlotte, once she discovers it, she could be like Wait, you knew about this and you didn't tell me? That's the thing. That's what I'm scared. Well, I don't think I don't think that he's ever gonna let her know that he knew about it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, how I would that come up unless she's looking at his computer or something? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be something that he tells her later, and if he does, then she'd say, "Wait, you've known about this for weeks." But you would think it's just so funny that you know Adam is so jealous in the previous episodes of Charlotte even being friends with Declan. And even talking to him. And he's cheating on her. Like, he's got other girls. What yeah. does he need Charlotte for? He's insecure, but he also... that You, you see that. That's typical of guys. So, speaking of They Adam, usually accuse people of doing what they're doing. Right. Cheaters will be like, you're cheating on me. Yeah, they're, they're more cheating. suspicious of that. Yeah. So, speaking of Adam and people I dislike, my least favorite... Kind of spoiler here. My least favorite character in all of Revenge showed up in this episode, and I forgot that he shows up this early. I thought it was going to take a little while longer. Great. Freaking Tyler Barrel. I just don't like him. And even in this episode, you watch him, and he just comes off as so smarmy, and it's like he's either really smart and calculated, or he's just, like, very good at saying the right thing. Yeah, so know? he, so they're getting ready for the... The senator's party. The senator's party, and he just walks in. Tyler just walks right in, and Ashley's at the door, and he says that he's Daniel's roommate at Right, Harvard. roommate from Harvard. So I'm coming in. <laughs> Is that okay? And, he, like, and he, Victoria's talking to him, and he's like, oh, you must be Charlotte. It's like, come on. Like, that. you were never going to fall for that. That was just <laughs> terrible. And and Victoria, like how she just kind of calls him out, and she's like, oh, you're funny. And, um, and, and she just immediately says, like, oh, make yourself at home in the pool house. And uh, <laughs> then Ashley is like, He's like, oh, you know, what's your name? And she's just like... Oh, I didn't pool- tell you. She, well, she's just like, the the pool house is the house by the pool. Yeah, go out there. Go out there. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even lead him to it. She's definitely, she's definitely playing hard to get, which I think is nice. And she likes him. And Emily is talking to her a little later about like, oh, I see you're interested in Tyler. And she's, she's like... like you can't have all the fun. Yeah, which... yeah. And I, I can understand why she would be attracted to him. He seems fine, but... He just, I think it's sketch that when Daniel, Daniel doesn't know that he, Daniel didn't know that he was coming. So he just, Daniel walks into the pool house and is like, hey, I thought you were going to be in Italy this summer. 
And he said, well, my parents really want me to focus on my internship. I think that kind of hints that. Like, here, I'm here to get an internship. With the Graysons. I think I'm trying to get in with your dad. Which, you know, I I don't think that that's, you know, terrible. Like, good to use your connections. That's kind of what you're supposed to do. But just be upfront with it. Just tell Daniel, like, hey, can I get an internship with your dad? That would be sweet. And Daniel, can I come? Can right. I stay with you? Yeah, and I just... I, but he just showed up. I mean, I'm guessing maybe at some point when they were in college, Daniel said, oh, feel free to come hang out or whatever. I don't know. It just seems like this is just what rich, rich people do, apparently. They just hang out at each other's houses. Yeah. But anyway, so I just don't, I don't particularly like him. And I, I think the other thing that's kind of weird is after he moves into the pool house, a couple times in this episode, we see... Other people, like Emily and Daniel, have a conversation in the pool house. I'm like, don't you know, like, Tyler's here? Like, it's kind of weird. He could walk in at any moment. I don't know when you're hearing these conversations. But I guess the pool house is just the place to go when you need to have a quiet conversation. Yeah, everyone kind of just walks right in. And then the main reason why I don't like Tyler is Tyler knows that Daniel doesn't drink anymore. And Daniel even says, oh, you know I don't drink. And yet Tyler already seems to be sort of pressuring him to try and drink. And that's just, that's just not a good friend right there. Yeah, after the campaign speech that kind of blows everybody's mind, they're all like, oh, we need a drink. Or, well, Tyler's like, I need a drink. And Ashley says that too, but then she says she has to go and clean up everything. And uh, Daniel's like, I, dude, like, I don't drink. I'll hang out, but... I'll be your DD I'll for your DD. summer. Yeah. Which and... seems like a good deal to me, but... Yeah, no one really seems to want to hang out. Ashley's busy, and Emily says she's tired. I think Emily's just like, I'm not dealing with this Tyler kid right now. Like, I got better yeah. things to do with my life. And and we see that what Emily's better things to do are is to walk Sammy home again, because Sammy just keeps showing up. To, but just to go through a couple other things I noticed from this episode, one of my favorite moments, actually, was near the beginning of the episode, where we see Adam is sneaking over to Charlotte's house, and he's trying to get... Charlotte to hang out, and, and Victoria is saying, oh, Charlotte, come downstairs. You know, I need you to put on a dress and do something. And then Adam has jumped behind Charlotte's bed and is, like, laying on the ground back there. And without even seeing him, Victoria leaves and goes, oh, good morning, Adam. I train, just, train pipe is in full view of the conservatory. Yeah, I just I just love that, uh, that scene because I think it's one of the most lighthearted moments between Charlotte and Victoria where Victoria's actually acting like a real mom and, you know, like a nice person. And she's not... She's not yelling at them. She just thinks it's kind of funny. So I, I really like that that scene at the beginning of this episode. Oh, we should mention one more thing. So when they're setting up for the party, Victoria is planning. She moves the seating chart. She moves it so that she moves Emily Thorne over to where Michael Davis is sitting. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking, oh, you know, Emily's the one that Michael has was uh, left li- uh, Lydia for. And so she's like, I, I want to see them interact. I'll know right away when they when they see each other that... Whether or not they've been hooking up or whatever. Hooking up. So during the party, Michael comes in, and Victoria's like, oh, I'll show you to your seat. I think there's someone that you'll be interested to see. And he comes over, and he's... He sees Emily. She's like, oh, yeah, it's Emily. And Emily and them are like, oh. Uh, do I know you from somewhere? Yeah, they yeah. don't really seem super familiar with each other. They're like, oh, it was the, um. The landmark preservation yeah. committee. And Victoria's just kind of waiting for her, like, oh, my gosh. And then this other lady, Michael's plus one, comes in, who is the. The girl, clearly, that he did leave her for. So yeah. I think this is, you know, it just confirms that there's proof that I believe that Emily 
did set them up and that she was trying to get uh, Michael and Lydia to break up. But I think she's just a good enough actor to not mention that because she knows that she never really interacted with him a whole lot. It sounds like she was friendlier with the woman involved and sort of told the woman to go after him or something. Yeah. But I I think, you know, it all was fairly harmless. Like, I don't think that stage, I think those two people really do like each other. And I think that they're together. I don't think that that was... And they're not even keeping a secret. And I didn't know. I I thought, oh, is is Emily uh, Michael's little... Uh, the yeah, was had. it the woman? Yeah, that was something that I had forgotten. But nope, seems like that's all cleared up, and I don't think uh, Victoria can really. I think she hit a dead end on that one. I don't yep. think that she can really suspect. That's it. In the Emily very end, anymore. Emily says to Victoria, "Do you mind if I start calling you Victoria?" What was that all about? I don't know. I think. I mean, part of it is probably just in terms of the writing. It must be kind of hard to just constantly be calling her Mrs. Grayson when, like, Emily's an adult. I mean, I personally wouldn't feel super comfortable talking to the mother of my new significant other, you know, someone I'm dating, I wouldn't necessarily be, like, on first name terms with them, even if I'm an adult. Well, I mean, I I am an adult, (laughs) and I don't do that. But I think in this circumstance, it's probably just easier for the writing, for her to just refer to her as Victoria, especially because, you know, Victoria keeps calling Emily Emily. She's not calling her Mrs. Thorne or anything like that. That's true. And it just kind of shows the progression. They're getting closer. Well, and I think... Or, you know, a false sense of, of being closer. Emily's trying to... Oh, yeah. Also, I think it's a sort of a power move. Emily's trying yep. to say, you know... You're not above me. I'm yep. the same level as you. Yeah, I'm going to call you my, by your first name, too. Yep. I'm not going to call you Queen Victoria. <laughs> exactly. So, I like that. And we get another sort of poetic quote at the end of this episode, which says, For the innocent, the past may hold a reward, but for the treacherous, it's only a matter of time before the past delivers what they truly deserve. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Which is, you know, reflects what Emily was saying earlier about, I believe in, you know, people finishing what they start. And and sort of, you can never get away with things fully. And in this case, it had to do with... It's only a matter of time. If you... Like, it's like karma will get you, or the truth will come out. Right. Right. And so they throw that in at the end of the episode. And, and I think that's gonna, as we've seen, it's sort of a trend to have these... I love how the opening, speeches. it usually opens up a little thing, a little quote, and then it, it ends with that. Ends with so the betrayal, the title of betrayal, where does that really fit in? Because trust, yeah. trust came across pretty obviously in the last episode. I think we figured out how that has a lot of different meanings and really works. In terms of betrayal, I'm not sure. I mean, there's the betrayal between Daniel betrays his mom in going to go see Sarah, but I don't really think that's Kingsley it. betrays his wife, but I don't think that's really as much of what it uh, is. It, yeah. I, I guess I guess that's I think it's more of Kingsley and Victoria betray David by convicting him for something he didn't well, do. Well, Victoria tries to help. I think it's more like Kingsley had a lead that maybe David was innocent, but betray Victoria and not helping out because oh they show that Victoria sends David a note in prison saying I've I've got evidence and I'm going to go to Kingsley about it right so it's hard to tell but you know betrayal there's a lot of betraying going on it's not it's not as clear cut as some of the other episodes but I think it's you know you gotta have sort of these artsy titles did you say that like Emily is betraying Daniel maybe not betraying but like She's keeping a lot of things secret, and she kind of set up the whole Patrick attacking Daniel. 
you know, she's That's not... true, but I don't think that that's what the episode highlights. I mean, sure, she's, she's betraying Daniel's trust. Oh, that was actually something that was very interesting, is that when they're having that whole conversation about Daniel's past with Sarah and Patrick, Daniel says, you know, just however long we're going to be together, whether it be a couple days or weeks or years or forever, I will always be honest and truthful with you. And what I thought was interesting was Emily leans in, gives him a hug and a kiss, and doesn't say anything in return because she's not gonna be too. she's not gonna be a honest and truthful. She can't make that promise, right? I just really like Daniel. He doesn't. He yes, he had a, a reckless past. Well, but you can see that it was he blames it on Victoria. He's like it's Victoria's fault that I got drunk and no, it, uh, not well, it's not it's not her fault, right? But he yeah, he was provoked. But I think he's I think it just shows that he was not being responsible at all. And he doesn't, he doesn't take, you know, now, now she, Emily's trying to get him to take responsibility for his actions. And I think that that was a lot of this, which is, it's gonna, you know, bring up, we've got this very interesting, Emily seems to, you know, genuinely like Daniel, and Daniel seems to definitely like Emily, and they, it, it's confusing because she's clearly using him, and yet, Maybe she are there going to be feel it, yeah. feelings that are going to be developed? And we haven't really gotten a whole lot farther into that. We know that they're going to get close enough to eventually get engaged because we see the engagement party in the pilot. So the question's really still filling in those steps of how do we get there. Ugh, so much. I know. we got a, got a ways to go. <laughs> but that's the end of this episode. So feel free to send us your comments and questions on our website or at our Twitter at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. And again, we would love those five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes if you enjoy the podcast. It really is the best way for people to find our show in the future. And we're going to start reading those five-star reviews that you write. We're going to read them on the podcast if you would like to get your name out there and be involved in this fun conversation. And feel free to leave us any comments with what your favorite mixed drink is so that we (laughs) can compare that with Nolan's. Yeah, we're really trying to bring revenge back. Yeah, yeah, bring revenge back. You know, the show, not the, uh... No, not actually the Not actual revenge. Of revenge, no. Right. Well, that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be, we will be back next Monday for our rewatch of episode four. For now, we're the Kowski Sisters. Peace out.